Hello and welcome to Future Thinking. I'm Chris Lodi, the editor of City Well Selector. For those of you who have followed the series so far, we've discussed many topics, trends and challenges that will face both the investment world and our working life in years to come. However, as yet, we've not delved into the literal physical future of the planet. This week, we are joined by Ben McEwen, who works for asset management company Saracen and Partners. As you will hear, Ben is a rare beast in his field as a dedicated climate investment analyst. His job is to marry the realities of climate risk with the long-term investment opportunities. In our discussion, we'll talk about the successes and failures of the asset management industry so far, the growing importance of a focus in this area, and what the future may hold for climate-related asset allocations. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Chris. So if you could just expand on your role as it is, because it is quite unique position to hold within a company, but an increasingly important one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so my role is a climate change investment analyst. And, and what that really means is uh, considering uh, the implications of climate change from a mitigation and adaptation perspective. So on the mitigation side, thinking about what are the implications for decarbonizing society and economies uh, uh, both from a risk and opportunity perspective. And then the second element is, you know, really the unfortunate reality that the physical manifestations of climate change are likely to increase. You know, we've already started to see them. So again, thinking about the risks and opportunities of uh, changing physical manifestations for um, the investment landscape, and that means for portfolios, individual uh, assets, uh, and the strategies that we run. You mentioned before that it is a relatively unique role. There aren't many people who hold a similar job title as you, but do you see companies adding more roles like this and, and adding more specialist strategies as well? Yeah, two questions there. So so I think uh, there's definitely been a sort of burgeoning interest from the asset management industry in, in adding more climate change expertise. Uh, I think that's driven by two facets. The first is there's obviously been a sort of increased societal awareness about climate change that we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months. Uh, perhaps that's driven by the increased physical manifestations of climate change that we're seeing. Um, so, you know, asset managers are aware of that societal push and that is likely to get stronger. Um, and then the second factor is, you know, the economics of the implications of climate change are also becoming more pronounced. So we are seeing more risks associated with decarbonization for companies also more opportunities for um, companies that offer solutions to climate change. So, so I think it's, it's definitely been a, a growing sphere. And we're also seeing that in uh, sort of products being launched by the asset management industry that are almost trying to take advantage of, of this trend. We've seen a lot of development in that area, and we've, but we've also seen, I mean, without trying to be provocative in that sense, a lot of companies have been accused of, and I'll put it in the notes that we discussed beforehand, corporate window dressing. And I know you can't speak for the whole industry, but is there a fear also of some people trying to move too quickly just to have a product in the market, which perhaps doesn't help the argument? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a difficult one. I'm, obviously, I can't speak on others' behalves, but you know, we, we have seen a growth in, in the strategies uh, addressing climate change. Um, you know, to, to what extent are they, uh, you know, if, if one is being charitable, then I, I suppose one could think about these strategies as being uh, asset management firms transitioning towards a more climate change aware 
holistic approach for their whole firms. Uh, I suppose if one is being cynical, these types of products could be asset gathering exercises and sort of disconnected from the majority of products which operate under a status quo framework for those organizations. So, you know, what what ultimately we need to see for the asset management industry is not just specific products that adopt a low carbon sort of green solution approach um, that only account for a proportion of the assets that those, those firms run. What we need to see is a much broader, more holistic approach to climate change being adopted by all strategies that asset management uh, managers run. And, and you know, we really need to see the asset management industry grasp the responsibility and an agency it really has uh, in playing a more fundamental role in delivering climate change uh, mitigation. Um, and ultimately it's, it's delivering climate change mitigation which will benefit clients um, for asset management firms. Sure, but how do you think that's go- that is going to be driven? Will it take an event? Will it even take an event like COVID nineteen, where we have this moment to almost, I would say, pause and reset? But that's an oversimplification. Where companies will look at how they become more efficient, and with efficiency, that might be improving in environmental means. Or is it coming through anyway? Again, appreciate two questions there, but it's just what will be the catalyst to ensure asset management companies do do the necessary work. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think there's a number of catalysts, and I, and I I I believe that we've started to see some of them come through already. You know, the first is this increased societal focus on climate change, uh, and an increased focus on really sort of making one's money matter. Uh, and ultimately, it's it's pension schemes, it's individuals who are the clients of asset management firms, and it it's individuals and a society that needs to put pressure on asset management firms to be more robust uh, in addressing climate change. So, so I think we've started to see that already. Obviously, it, it can go further. Um, I think COVID-19 will be an interesting um, sort of juncture in how societies and economies address climate change. Uh, as you say, I think it has given the world pause for thought um, about sort of exogenous factors which aren't part of the business as usual cycle. Uh, and I think that sort of the the policy response and the stimulus response that governments enact subsequent to COVID-19 will be a significant driver in, in how we as a society uh, address climate change. You know, I, I really think that how those stimulus packages are tailored and what industries they provide support to will be a significant influence on our ability as a society to meet the goals of the the Paris Climate Accord, which which calls for well below two degrees. Um, And sort of a lot of questions that we actually get recently is how much time has COVID-19 bought us from a climate change perspective? And the unfortunate answer is, is not a great deal. The latest estimates that I've seen suggest that global emissions will fall in the order of 10% this year. Now, that's an absolutely enormous amount uh, in tonnage falls, but the reality is to meet a, a two degree world, we need six, 7% annual emissions reductions over decades. So this this pace really needs to, to keep going. And obviously we don't want that to happen from a COVID related uh, no, incident course. every year. 
Well, I was going to say, because with that 10% reduction, how much of a concern is there when things normalize, when they do normalize, that there is then yeah. an amping up of production to yeah. fill that gap? Yeah, absolutely. So so again, that, that comes back to the policy response um, that we'll see. And I know that there are uh, investor groups and civil society, um, you know, reflecting views into governments around the world, uh, suggesting that we need a sort of proactive climate stimulus response. And if that proactive st stimulus response targets the wrong sectors, targets non-climate change related sort of aspirations, then absolutely there is a significant chance that emissions will um, jump back straight to where they were previously. One thing, I mean, moving slightly around, sorry to jump about, one thing that has come onto our radar is speak to fund selectors, that's our core audience, is they want to see better reporting on climate change from companies. And I mean, this will be part of the overall conversation because as companies move towards it, they'll want to show what they're doing. But where are they at the moment? Do you think, and again, apologies, because you can't speak for everybody, but even in the time that you've been doing this, do you think that companies are more outward on what they're actually achieving on climate change or could they be doing more there as well? in pure yeah. reporting terms? Yeah, certainly for the asset management industry, um, the answer is we as an industry are not reporting enough. Um, that is caveated by uh, the fact that reporting is improving. Uh, and I think there's a couple of reasons as to why the industry um, is sort of behind the curve in terms of reporting. The first is uh, it sort of falls outside historic industry norms to, to report on these sort of non-traditional financial metrics. Um, and that often means that sort of firms don't have the capability to report on these factors. Um, and secondly, you know, not to make excuses for the industry, but it's difficult. It's difficult to report on the integration of climate change and outcomes. And, you know, if you think about the sort of conventional display of climate change factors in portfolios and asset management firms, it's carbon footprinting. But really carbon footprinting only addresses a very limited subset of climate change risk. Um, so, you know, I could create a portfolio of low carbon footprint companies that have high climate change risks and also do the inverse. So um, climate change or sort of carbon footprinting is really only one part of the puzzle. One, one has to think about scope three emissions, which are the full value chain emissions and often aren't captured in carbon footprinting. Uh, one has to think about the transition of companies. And it's really a, where we spend a lot of time thinking is what is the transition pathway for um, climate change exposed companies? And, and that really comes down to thinking about their capital allocation frameworks and the risks associated with that. And then one has to think about the physical risks of climate change, and they are often quite hard to capture. So uh, I think climate change integration into investment is, is very multidimensional. And that's perhaps why the industry has really struggled to um, sort of pin down uh, a reporting framework that sort of adequately discloses um, what firms and strategies are doing. I think that's, yeah, that, I mean, we're finding that again from our side of things that everyone assumes sustainability is one overarching homogenous thing and the, and the nuance seems to get forgotten. And we actually, we ran a piece yesterday from a Finnish group called The Upright I think it was the upright project i'll look that up but i think that was the correct term where they said there's still too much conflation of esg and impact for example and i mean that's just two terms but there does seem to be an idea that sustainability 
means everything to everyone. It's ESG, climate change, sustainability, ethical investing, whereas it is much more nuanced than that. And you made the point of carbon footprint versus climate change. People just assume it's the same thing. Do you still think there's a, an education barrier to be addressed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, as you say, it's 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 not homogenous. There, there is a very high degree of sort of idiosyncratic risk and opportunity, uh, and that you know spans industry. So all oil and gas companies are not the same in terms of their climate risk. All utility companies are not the same in terms of their, their climate change risk. So um, I think because this is a relatively new topic to a lot of sort of participants in the financial services industry, people are still getting to terms with, with some of those nuances. You know, clearly the industry needs to pick up the pace with which it becomes comfortable um, with those nuances. Um, because of you know the impact of climate change, we, we as an industry have to address it much faster than we have been. Uh, so there is definitely an education piece, but I think there are you know some interesting um, sort of factors w which will help the industry uh, un understand things. So we have the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosures, and their sort of corporate issuers are rapidly integrating uh, those types of um, disclosures uh, into their annual report and accounts. And I think that is making the financial services industry more comfortable with climate change as a consideration. And then we have other groups like um, Chapter Zero, which sort of convenes board members and helps them think about the transition towards a net zero society and economy and, uh, and what boards of directors need to be doing to uh, suitably address uh, climate change for their organizations. So absolutely, I think we're, we're sort of building, uh, but that building needs to to go on a faster track. Um, and one thing that could also help that, I guess, is the EU taxonomy that was, that's due to come in. I know it's postponed, but that's supposed to come in this year. Is that? Do you think that will have a meaningful influence on helping determine what is and what isn't sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think it will. Um, Yes, so so sort of that that taxonomy of helping us uh, as an industry think about what is uh, green and what is brown uh, will be a very helpful framework. Um, but essentially, you know, what we also use is is uh, thinking about what I referred to earlier, which is the transition of of certain companies. So it is theoretically possible for a company to operate outside of the sort of um, determined green sectors now, but how can that company transition? And essentially every company has to transition to net zero. So you could be a company that is not green now, but if you follow a transition pathway that allows you uh, to become sort of a net zero company, uh, and we often use the Oxford Martin School principles, which are um, developed by Oxford University and <clears throat> really ask companies to think about what they need to be in the future to address climate change. And there's really three principles. And the first is commitment to net zero emissions. The second is a profitable net zero business model. And the third is a quantitative medium target to address its own emissions. So, you know, a taxonomy is good, but, you know, the Oxford Martin School principles tell us that all companies have to get towards sort of effectively a green position in the end. Uh, so it's part of the puzzle. But surely not all companies can get to that because you would have some that surely whatever they do, they will emit. You will still have, I mean, it sounds like there'll be a lot of destruction in the sense that companies who are 
emitters by their very nature, I'm thinking of coal, oil, gas, we will have to really move beyond those and those industries will have to be reinvented. Yeah, absolutely. Th those, uh, I think it's a difference though. I mean, the, the way that we think about it is it's the business practices that those companies operate, which are unsustainable. It is not that sort of corporate structure, which is unsustainable. So if you are in an industry that is uh, heavily polluting uh, in terms of your carbon emissions, you have to transition away from those business practices that emit. So if you're a cement company, as example, you have to transition towards a net zero society or a net zero sort of business practice. Uh, and there are methodologies to do that. Or if you think about the steel industry, you know, the steel industry conventionally uses uh, blast furnaces, um, which are significant emitters. It can, and I, uh, I would suggest over the future decades, will transition towards electric arc furnaces, which can use renewable energy and hydrogen um, to, to power those furnaces. So, so we can have steel from a net zero perspective. So it really speaks to, again, that capital allocation framework. How do you make that transition as a company to reallocate capital towards lower and ultimately zero emissions? I only had one real final point, and it was taking it to, a, I've, I've omitted some of the things. One final point really is more about yourself, Ben, because we're seeing more and more people become interested in taking up these types of roles as well. As it becomes more um, understood and more familiar for investors and companies, we are seeing more people be either reassigned as ESG analysts, climate change analysts, or move into this. How did you get into it? Was it something that you saw yourself moving towards? Yeah, so I've, I've had a sort of a, a varied uh, professional existence. Um, so I've, I've been a chartered accountant, uh, a, a commodity analyst, um, a natural resources equity analyst on, on the sales side. Uh, then went and did an MBA at Imperial College and specialized in, in climate finance there. So, you know, I, I've had a, a varied experience. I think, you know, ESG analysts or climate change investment analysts can come from a sort of a variety of, of backgrounds. There's there's no sort of um, definitive route into it. But I think where these types of roles are going is, you know, what we need to do is translate the climate change factors. And if you think about it from a more holistic basis, sort of broader sustainability factors into sort of financially orthodox language. And that's where I really see a significant growth opportunity in this type of role is, is that translation responsibility. So, uh, you know, I firmly believe that unless we start to uh, more robustly price climate change in cost of equity, cost of debt, multiples across the industry, we won't see uh, a significant enough response from the financial services industry to address climate change. And it's only through being able to translate climate change models and broader sustainability concepts into what does it mean for this equity or what does it mean for this credit or what does it mean for this strategy? Uh, I think that's really the significant role that people that are interested in and, and care about climate change can play in financial services. Well, the, the concept of this podcast is about the future and looking towards the future and i think that's a perfect note to end on of how people can move this agenda forward so ben thank you very much for taking the time my pleasure thanks for having me